Hey, welcome to episode number 193 of the podcast, More Than Bread. More Than Bread is a podcast that unashamedly, without reservation, holds the Word of God up, not just as a standard. It it is that, but even more so, it is a living, breathing, soul-stirring opportunity to hear God's voice. The rhema word, we talked about that in the last episode, to be shaped by his heart and mind, to allow our souls to be saturated with heaven as the Spirit of God breathes life into the people of God through the Word of God. And for the last 28 episodes, I really didn't think it'd be that long when I started (laughs) Ephesians, but we've been hanging out in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, his first letter from prison in Rome. And it is a glorious letter, but we're almost done. I think one more wrap-up episode after this one, and then we'll be off to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, or what we call the book of Philippians. Now, you may not have noticed it because I haven't really landed on it. It's probably another series for another time. But in Ephesians, Paul uses the phrase, in the heavenly places, five different times. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. So there's this place the heavenly places, where every spiritual blessing has been made available to us in Christ. Later in that same chapter, we find that Christ is seated in the heavenlies as the head, the leader over all things, and his fullness fills everything in the heavenlies and on earth, in the heavenlies. Then in Ephesians chapter 2, we find that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We have a seat at the table of God in the heavenly places. And in Ephesians 3, we find that the multifaceted, incredibly amazing wisdom of God is on display through the church in the heavenly places. So in in some way, the, the, the church reaches into the heavenly places. And finally, where does the battle take place? This battle that we've been talking about for the last number of episodes, it it takes place in the heavenly. So blessing and Christ and authority and our seat at the table and God's wisdom on display, all in the heavenlies. And what else? Battle, spiritual battle. And, And when Paul talks about the heavenlies, he's not describing a place up there reserved for people who die down here. He's describing a reality that exists now for us here. He's describing, here's how I look at it. He's describing what happens when heaven meets earth. So with that in mind, let me read again Ephesians 6.10, this time through the end of the chapter, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. A final word, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And I want you to hear that again. This battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people of the other political persuasion, whatever you are. it's, it's It's not against terrorists. Do you understand that? We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit. Remember we said last last episode that sword of the Spirit is our one offensive weapon. Everything else is defensive. 
Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Now, I just want to stop for a moment before I read the rest of that and, and just just let you know, here, here's what I think. You know, oftentimes people think that prayer, you know, maybe that's part of the battle, and 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 we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But, you know, the reality is everything else is like leading up to this moment. It's like get the armor on, not so that you can battle without prayer. Get the armor on so that you can pray. Stand firm so that you can pray because there's nothing more important than prayer. And so Paul says in verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me. Please pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. And now to bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Be strong in the Lord, Paul says. Your strength isn't enough because there's a battle raging in the heavenly places. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a battle against this present darkness. There's a a darkness in the heavenly places. When heaven meets earth, there's darkness in the heavens. It's the darkness of sin and the darkness of death and the darkness of depression and anxiety and betrayal and bitterness and anger. So much anger. Oh my goodness, so much anger in our world today. The darkness that descends upon a relationship when we just can't seem to find a way to forgive. It's the darkness of choices that take us away from the light. And listen, the battle is real. I've watched people's lives fill up with darkness. I've watched relationships fill up with darkness. I've watched places where our community has been filled with darkness. It's real. And sometimes those first steps into darkness are so small. But Paul's description of the heavenly places in Ephesians is a reminder that that when we encounter darkness, our hope is that if darkness is near, then heaven isn't far. You know, dark times are often isolating times, right? When, When we go through dark times, we begin to believe that we're not only alone, but we're far from God. But don't miss Paul's words. Be strong in the Lord. Even while we are in Christ, the darkness comes. So so listen, right off the bat, let me just tell you, if you find yourself in the midst of a dark time right now, that does not mean that heaven is far from you. In fact, it may mean that heaven is near. <laughs> it's not just the presence of spiritual blessings that describes what happens when heaven meets earth. On this side of life, it's also battle. Battle takes place in the heavenlies. And in the midst of the battle, we are in the midst of heaven. So our goal in the midst of all this battle, you've heard me say it multiple times, is that we would stand, withstand, remain standing, in the end be found to still be standing. I I want you to be able to stand against the schemes of Satan, Paul says. He uses the word stand so many times. I want you to stand firmly, withstand, do everything you can to remain standing. Don't just do something. Stand there. And really what he's saying is, I don't want you to quit. 
No matter what happens, no matter how hard it gets, don't quit. Don't give up. Stand up. Stand up against the darkness. Not just in the moment for a moment. Do it for a lifetime, your whole lifetime. Really, Paul is challenging us to finish well. John Orberg says the capacity to finish well is what the New Testament writers call endurance or or perseverance. It's the don't quit grit. It's the virtue by which we become increasingly able to honor commitments that should last a lifetime, even when honoring them becomes difficult. Every truly meaningful human accomplishment requires perseverance. And, And this is what Paul is writing about as he closes his letter to his friends at Ephesus. Perseverance. It's got to be the word he has in mind when he calls us to stand strong. But it's hard, man. Sometimes, isn't it? Isn't it hard when the darkness comes in and unpacks its baggage for a long stay? The confusing rejection of a friend, a pink slip at work, the divorce papers. The child to whom you gave 18 years has not only left home but left the faith. Maybe it was circumstances out of your control. Somebody abused you stole something precious from you, someone died, something died. You you were doing something good for God. And all of a sudden, all hell broke loose in your life and the darkness descended. And so in the last few episodes, you've heard me more than once, more, more like over and over and over again, say, you cannot do it alone. Get connected. Get connected to Christ and to each other. This battle is not one that we can win alone. We need to be connected first to Christ Be strong in the Lord and in his strength, but then also to each other, right? We we talked about that. All through his letter, Paul is challenging us to be together. We're the dwelling place of the Spirit of God, he says, together. We're the body of Christ, together. We're, We're the army of God, together. We're the bride of Christ, together. Paul's letter is a passionate challenge to be connected. When we come to chapter 6, we can't begin to think that battle is just a a private adventure, a private battle. All the imperatives are in the the plural. These instructions are not addressed to individual soldiers who are off on their own. Paul is addressing the army stationed at Ephesus. Be strong as a team, as a church. All of you put on the armor of God. When, When he calls us to stand, it's a call to stand together. We cannot do it alone. We need to get connected. Because in times of battle, we need each other. Can, can I speak specifically to men for a moment? I, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but guys, I just I feel like I don't know how it happened, but somewhere along the way, we lost the truth that many women have hung on to better than us. It was almost the first thing God said when he created us. It's not good for this guy to be alone. And instead of listening to him, we've developed the myth of the man alone. True men are rugged individualists. The reason we never talked about our problems was because we never had a problem we couldn't handle alone. And yet one thing we find out quickly in times of battle is that alone won't get the job done. Together is better. Paul knew that. If it wasn't Timothy, it was Silas. If not Epaphroditus, then Aquila and Priscilla or Stephanus or Luke or Epaphras or or John, Mark, Paul regarded them as, as brothers and sisters, people who marched beside each other, fought through life together, took risks together, even, even risked death together for the work of Christ. In this letter, Paul mentions a man named Tychicus, a, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, he says. And in, in verse t- 22, he writes, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. And, and that word comfort in the NIV, it's encourage, it is the Greek word paraclete. And perhaps you recognize the word paraclete. 
It, it was used to describe the Holy Spirit's activity. In fact, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. It's what he does comforting and encouraging. But that that word paraclete was a Greek word. It was an ancient warrior's term. When Greek soldiers went into battle, they went in pairs. And, and then when the enemy attacked, you could draw together back to back, so, shoulder to shoulder, and your battle partner was your paraclete. When Paul says, I, I've sent him to be your paraclete, he's saying, man, get connected, partner up, allow yourself to be comforted, encouraged, exhorted, to be held accountable. Ask God to lead you to someone who needs and can be a partner, a paraclete. Paul knew what it was to go to battle, and he knew he couldn't do it alone. So ask yourself, who, who is my paraclete? If we're going to stand up rather than give up. We need to get connected. And, and I would say one of the best ways to get connected to Christ and each other all at the same time, uh, this has happened to me over and over again. It's by praying together. And that's Paul's concluding challenge. Praying at all times, in the Spirit, with all types of prayer, prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Pray at all times with all types of prayer. Keep alert with all perseverance, praying for all the saints. This is pray all the time with all types of prayer, with all perseverance for all prayer. What is that, like four different alls? This is all in prayer. I mean, is there any doubt that Paul thinks prayer is important in this battle? I mean, how many of us can listen to Paul's all-encompassing call to prayer and say, yep, he's describing the mountain I call home. Pray at all times, with all types of prayer, with all perseverance, for all people. I think oftentimes the best many of us can do is some prayer. We pray some of the time with some types of prayer, with some degree of persistence for some of the people. <laughs> Maybe we just pray a bit of the time with a few types of prayer, with a bit of persistence for a few of the people. Samuel Chadwick said, uh, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. At one point, Charles Spurgeon was writing to lament the declining spiritual condition of churches in London. And one of the things that was an evidence of this decline in Spurgeon's mind was the fact that many churches were meeting as little as twice a week for prayer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> In Acts, it says that the people devoted themselves to prayer. Their focus was heavenward, toward the throne. Their focus was on God himself, so they gave themselves to a life of prayer. They knew that life required, the spiritual battle required a continual daily devotion to prayer. A great church must be a praying church because we need God to keep running in the darkness. And when we pray together, it binds us not just with God but with each other. Ian Bounds said, prayer is not preparation for the battle. It is the battle. And John Piper took it a step further and he said, without a wartime mentality, we cannot fully appreciate prayer. So ask yourself, do I pray like my life depends on it? Do I pray like a life depends on it? Am, am I committed to developing a consistent, ongoing, never-ending rhythm of prayer? Let me challenge you. Develop a rhythm of prayer. Yours may be different. Mine has been different at different times, but but here's what mine is currently. Daily prayer, personal prayer, daily personal prayer, weekly with a small group, monthly with the church, and monthly. It used to be quarterly, but now it's monthly with a larger group. That's our, our center county prayer, central PA prayer for revival. Because here's the deal. Heaven listens when we pray. 
And what could be more important? I mean, that's why Paul's final request, his final ask is, please pray for me. Pray that I'm effective in the mission God has given me here here in prison. Pray that the gospel goes forth. Did you know that one of the individuals who was a core part of the church at Ephesus was John, the apostle John? John, formerly one of the 12, writer of numerous books of the Bible. He may have even been there when Paul wrote this letter. And John was someone who knew something about prayer. John was also the one who wrote the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelations. And in chapter 1, verse 9, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet. It's Sunday. I want you to just imagine this as we close. It's Sunday, and here's this silver-haired man walking along the beach on the Isle of Patmos. He's looking for a place to kneel down and pray. Like every Lord's day for decades, He comes to God to pray in the Spirit. That's his rhythm. He's been sent to the Isle of Patmos by Rome as punishment. John's ministry has been so successful that Rome has rewarded him with solitary confinement on an isolated island. But while Rome intended retribution, God intended reward. Rome thought they had put John where no one would listen. What they didn't realize was that when we pray, heaven touches earth. And as John knelt to pray, the door to heaven was opened. And though he was isolated from people, he prayed his way into the very presence of God. And what he saw was stunning. What what he heard was maybe even greater still. Voices that sounded like trumpets, angels speaking, thunder booming, the living creatures singing a new song. Tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people worshiping around the throne. The souls of the martyrs crying out, how long, O Lord, how long? The sound of the earth quaking and stars falling and an uncountable multitude from every nation and people group of the world crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. I can't even imagine what it must have been like to have heard what John heard. (laughs) But what moves me even more is what John didn't hear. For seven chapters in the book of Revelation, we have nonstop activity and nonstop noise until chapter 8, verse 1. And then it says there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Max Lucado writes, as an orchestra falls silent at the lifting of the conductor's baton, so heaven hushed when the Lamb opened the seventh seal. As the first six seals revealed how God acts, the seventh seal revealed how God listens. Every song ceased. Every being of the heavenly city hushed. The noise stopped as a sudden stillness fell like a curtain. Why? Why did all of heaven hush to listen? In verses 1 through 4 of Revelation 8, it says this, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about a half an hour. I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and they were given seven trumpets. And then another angel with a a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. (laughs) Heaven grew silent as the prayers of God's people came before the throne. Heaven stopped. Heaven stops to hear our prayers. When you pray, heaven stops to listen. You may not understand the mystery of prayer. You may never fully 
understand the mystery of prayer, but this much is clear. Actions in heaven begin when someone prays on earth. Let me ask you, what will you do today that has more value than prayer? (laughs) Let me pray for you. Oh, Father, would you Would you awaken our souls? Would you stir up our spirits? Would you reveal to us the truth that the almighty God, the the maker of heaven and earth, Jesus, the savior of our souls, he who fills all things, (laughs) listens when we pray. And not only listens when we pray, but you, Father God, you respond to our prayers. I don't know what it could be that we would do today that has more value than prayer. So, Father God, would you stir it up in our hearts? Would you awaken our souls to the importance and the value of prayer? And would we pray? Would we pray like it really matters? Because it does. Give us a spirit of prayer. Give us a spirit of travailing prayer that we might call forth heaven upon earth, that we might be victorious in this battle. We ask these things In the name of the one who hears, the one who listens. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.